This is the Gopher Puck Live podcast, episode number two, recorded October 11th, 2011. Hello, and thanks for joining us here on the GPL podcast. I am your host, Craig Kotner, and I am once again joined by my fellow co-hosts, Hammy and Cardinal. How are you guys today? Doing good. Good as always. Well... Also joining the podcast is an actual real broadcaster and a familiar voice voice for college hockey fans. You, ah, li- you listen, <laughs> you listen <laughs> to him calling go for hockey on TV for over twenty years. Nowadays, he's the new color commentator for the Go for Radio broadcast, and of course, I'm talking about Frank Mazzacco. Frank, how are you? Craig, great. Uh, that'd be an I'd be an analyzer though. Analyzer, color. I'm an count. analyzer. Well, I think you have plenty of color to the broadcast, don't you think? Um, yeah, that, I like analyzer. Or is that the new like name the these days? Analyze. Yeah, well, we don't. It's my invented name. <laughs> Analyst sounds a little distressful. I'd rather be. You know, you have deciders and you have analyzers, and I'm an analyzer. <laughs> well, I think I speak for all the fans. Where it's it's great to have you back involved with Go for Hockey. Uh, why don't you update us on what you've been doing for the last year and a half? You've been away from the game. Wow, uh, I feel like I've been in another universe. Uh, it's <laughs> taken it's taken some time to get back into this, um, especially now that, like, as of Monday, it was the start of the old routine, and I'm not ready for that. Um, well, uh, you some may know, but several years ago, uh, I can't remember three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually tried to. Um, no, scratch the word tried. Um, I actually started a professional photography business. So I was doing studio work in the last two and a half years. Uh, I've been in studio space of my own. So the last 18 months, uh, just about seven days a week, um, I've been devoting myself into that because I'm a one-man shop and um, it takes all of I, I need 48 hours a day to get that thing going and keep it going. So that's what I've been doing. I, I've had space in northeast Minneapolis uh, doing portraits, doing seniors, doing product shots, uh, just about anything legal I will do. <laughs> Careful words there. Anything legal. I could, yeah, anything legal. I can, I can take it right up to the edge, too, if I need be, as long as, as, long as the right amount of money is involved. Of course. But, um, so that's. Um, but it's been a passion. I've just I've I've loved it. And actually, in the last couple of weeks, years I've ramped up for hockey. Um, my eye has not been behind the camera enough, and I I got to keep those skills up too. So um, I plan to bring the camera on the road this year, which is going to be fun. And you know, you get to visit Anchorage, which you've never been able to do on TV. And there will be living proof that I will be there. You can rest <laughs> assured there will be living proof. What? No studio with a fake background or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we didn't really fool anybody, did we? Oh, uh, you fooled probably many people. I'm guessing. <laughs> you know, the, the second go around, the stuff we did from Colorado College, um, well, the, via Colorado College, we weren't there. You know, um, I think that did fool a lot of people. But the previous year's adventure up in Anchorage, we wouldn't have fooled my dead grandmother. I mean, that was <laughs> bad stuff. That was bad. Oh, you mean that fake audio that they had going in the background and you only had the video signal? It was I thought it was entertaining. I was just happy that we could see the games. Well, the audio loop was from a um uh was from a, a college baseball game. 
I'm sure, because it had the there, there was a ding every once in a while, <laughs> and, the, and the puck wasn't going off the pipe either. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> well, now you're 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 with the radio broadcast with Wally Shaver, and uh, you have a couple games under your belt. How do you think you did? I mean, I think you sounded great, but how did you do, and how does it feel to be back and doing radio? Because you haven't done radio in quite some time, I believe. Oh, yeah, really. But I'll go with your judgment on that. Okay. If you said I was great, I was great. No problem. I, right there with you. Um, now, last radio game, uh, Doug McLeod was still in town. Really? Um, yeah. Do you go back as far as Doug? Yes. I, um, I, I remember him on radio and on TV. So this would have been right around, it was before the new Mariucci Arena, so 90, 91 in there. Um, he started to do some TV work. He started actually doing Gopher Hockey's on MSC, and I was sort of like nudged out because Channel 29 didn't renew the right, rights and all that stuff. So he was doing TV, and I wasn't. And when he had a conflict, he was good enough to give me his radio stuff. Okay. So I did maybe a half dozen games a year or so on radio. So that was that would have been the last time. That's, what, 20 years. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, it's an adjustment. I, I finally figured out over the weekend that it's like going from right wing to left defense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you don't have to dress up anymore. <laughs> That's true, but <laughs> no suit and tie. Though I did see you wearing the the coat, but you know. I had a sport coat and yeah. a shirt. I mean, I, I think open collar is casual, and that's fine. I I can do that. Um, but yeah, no makeup. Um, I, but I, what I'm finding is that I'm carrying as much gear. Because we're going high tech with all of our um, Twitter stuff, and so I've got to have a laptop and um, a little more work than I thought there would be, at least at least early on here. Well, yeah, that's one thing I I've noticed. You know, you're encouraging people to uh, actually you know tweet you pregame and during the game at you know at Maz Puck on Twitter, and they could send you questions and you can answer them. I noticed you did some pregame. You're doing some during the game. I've noticed you guys have started adding audio clips of interviews during the game. Uh, I've noticed a bunch of changes, and one of the big changes is that uh, you know Wally has a broadcaster with him now. So I notice you reading, you know, even some advertising copy and things like that. So uh, the broadcast has changed quite a bit. Yeah, and um, I, I'm I'm pushing. Now, I'm not saying that I'm you know in, uh, the genius behind this, but there's some things that I'm pushing for. Um, partly because I've got to bring what my strong suit is. My, my strong suit is not playing the game, as you guys well know. Um, I've got to bring my broadcast background and stuff like that and my, my, my geekness to the show and uh, try to do some of these things. And I really think that, that the social media stuff um, could be very vital to what happens in radio in the future because radio is changing now very much as much as TV is. And you know, if we can keep the people engaged um, in radio, to have them tune in and stay tuned in, what the heck's wrong with that? I mean, so that's that's kind of what I'd like to do through that, to keep them engaged and then break it up a little bit. With the technology the way it is, and there's no reason why you can't just do drop-ins, is like, you know, we started to do. I don't I, – I, time uh, will determine whether we can sustain this or not, mm -hmm. but that's the goal. And And if it's easy to do, if the technology makes it easy to do, if I can run those things from my laptop without an engineer – Sorry, unions, but um, that's where we are right now. <laughs> we do it. Well, I think it also helps 
the fan engagement. I mean, every fan loves to hear their question or hear their name on the radio or whatever. So you're right. It does help fans stay engaged with the game on the radio. So I can see why you would want to do that. Yeah, and I'm going to try my very best not to back off from um, questions. You know, if if it's something, if it's a personal attack, no, I won't. <laughs> I won't repeat it. You know, like if it's attacking some player or a coach or whatever, um, of course not, because you know it is a Gopher Sports Properties broadcast. Let's mm-hmm. not forget that. Mm-hmm. But you know, on the other part is that that's never been a part of me. Never been a part of what I do. So. Um, what yeah, you don't want? You don't want to get the doubt. you don't want to get the Sioux fans all riled up by ripping on them or anything like that. You know they all, love you. All I have to do is inhale, <laughs> and they get riled up. So yeah, I had a couple questions I was going to ask you that revolved around our favorite uh, fans from North Dakota. Go In on. particular, my biggest one that I the thing I always heard, and I heard this in TV as well when you were on TV. Mazako is such a homer, you know, for myself, I always, of course, I'm a gopher fan, but I've always felt that you were pretty balanced in how you call the game. Now, did, do you sometimes find yourself editing how you present things because you want to, like, whoever the opponent is, you want it to be, you know, a balanced approach? Or how do you, I mean, you probably don't think about it, but how do you, you know, does that ever come across your mind? Um, no, I do think about it. I thought about it a lot, and Wally and I started thinking about it from from day one when Channel 29 started reaching some cable stations. Uh, not cable stations, but they were carried by cable operators throughout the state. Well, we realized that there's people in St. Cloud watching, there's people in Duluth watching, and then when I moved over to MSC, those people were actually paying my salary, in effect. So, no, I wasn't going to diss them. <laughs> of course not. You right. know, I mean, and you want to give due credit. And I, and I, so I also did. And then Tom Reed and I started working. I never wanted to be so lopsided that those people were put off. So to answer your question, yeah, I do pay attention to it. And, you know, publicly, what would I say to that comment? Well, no matter what TV broadcast you listen to, you go on the network. Um, it could be a game between the Browns and the Rams, Right. And you go to Cleveland and they say, oh, they're so pro St. Louis. And you go to St. Louis and they say, oh, they're so pro Cleveland, no matter where. Okay. So that's going to happen. But to our friend there who said that I was such a homer, really, man. <laughs> Have they I heard their own that. broadcasts? I, I yeah, wouldn't that's say that publicly. <laughs> oh, God. They're, oh, man. Those, you know what? TV, uh, Pat Sweeney does a pretty good job on, on TV. But. There's no question who they're pulling for. Right. Uh, radio is a little bit of a different story. Um, they're yeah, that's a little bit more knifey on radio. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard other broadcasts from other teams, and I don't see I see just as much. I mean, it's maybe not to the level of a uh, Glenn Sonmore, who's of course the biggest Gopher cheerleader, you know, and everybody knows that, and everybody loved him to some degree for it. But uh, I think we all see you know, that with other broadcasts as well. So I never thought it was necessarily a fair criticism. Well, well I know. I appreciate that. Well, I know Go Gopher ahead. fans too with, you know, back to the FSN tie and when Sagasaur would do the Wisconsin games, I mean, Gopher fans would be all over him. And obviously he and Wooger would kind of, you know, have some fun going back and forth. But yeah, I think it's more a byproduct of just, hey, they're the enemy. So I'm going to look at it with a critical eye and say, oh yeah, he's, you know, anti-Gophers and everything else. Whereas like, Sagasaur, he never bothered me. Like, yeah, he was a little bit over the top with some things, but 
his analysis was good and everything like that. But yeah, I think it's just more of a byproduct of, you know, I don't like that team. So I'm going to look for every little thing to kind of pick at him. I thought Sagasaur definitely toned down his shtick when he was with you guys in the booth though on TV. I mean, you, you watch him on, on a Badger only broadcast and he was way over the top. But when he was yeah. with, with you guys, I thought he was pretty fair and pretty in the middle and giving the Badger point of view, but not cheering as much as he would during a normal broadcast. That was one of the hardest things I was ever involved in. And it, I think it was also one of the most lopsided, unfair things to do to fans. And and <clears throat> I'm not just stomping on uh, Rupert Murdoch and his folks, but MSC did the same. I think it started in MSC, didn't it? Pretty well, sure it did. My memory fails me, so. <laughs> um, but, man, what a what a tension to put your fans invo- into, to have to listen to these guys. Um, you know, try and, and became, um, uh, well, he said this, so I'm going to say that. And I remember one time um, we were playing at Mariucci Arena. Uh, Doug was with me, so I know it was a Fox game. Um, Gopher set an attendance season. Um, Regular season attendance record went over the 10,100 mark or something like that. And they announced the, the attendance and crowds going crazy. And Doug repeats it on the air. And Tom said, well, yeah, but, uh, you know, the Badgers have led the nation in scoring, you know, in attendance for the last three years. Well, that, you know, that's not the point. The point is that this this team in this new building just did it for the first time. And, you know, so there was that constant, if you say this about one team, then you got to say something about the other it was a mess. It was really a mess. Well, I think we need to move on to what happened this past weekend, which was a couple of blowouts. Uh, we've got the Gophers beating uh, poor Sacred Hearts, 9-zip and 6-zip. Uh, Kent Patterson, uh, co-defensive player of the week. Ryan, why don't you start us off? What did you think of the weekend? Um, well, I mean, going into it, you, you know, despite the last couple of years, you had to feel like the Gophers would, um, you know, take care of business, Sacred Heart. I mean, it's not like they're a Niagara or Mercyhurst or some of these other East Coast teams where, you know, they're not good on an annual basis, but every once in a while, I mean, you never hear anything out of Sacred Heart and, um, you know, they obviously look the part, but I think the biggest takeaway for me was that like, granted, you can't take a whole lot out of, you know, certain players play or things like that, but just that, you know, over the past few years, this team has played down to the competition a lot. I mean, you look back to last year and, you know, the Lucia always talks about how, hey, you know, we beat Michigan and we beat North Dakota and we beat Duluth. But, I mean, the home series against Anchorage in the playoffs when you get swept and losing at Bemidji when they needed those points at the end of the year. I mean, just a lot of times where they played teams they should beat and it was a struggle. And that definitely wasn't the case this weekend. Now, obviously, the worst WCHA team is probably a lot better than Sacred Heart. But um, just that they did what they should do this weekend. They got a lot of guys in the lineup. A lot of guys, you know, scored goals to hopefully get some confidence. And, um, you know, probably couldn't have gone a lot better from a gopher standpoint all things considered yeah you basically stole the words out of my mouth I mean, I think the, biggest <laughs> thing, the biggest thing for me was that i just were we saw them play down in the competition in recent years and it was nice to just see them granted it wasn't exactly a full blast from the start of the game i mean it was a little bit of a struggle early on for both games i mean at least in terms of we weren't exactly blowing them out but um, it was nice to see by the end of the game it wasn't in doubt and that we had thoroughly defeated them in both games. And that to me, you know, as much as you can take away from a series like that against an overmatched opponent, that was probably the biggest thing. 
Frank, who stood out for you? I mean, what players kind of caught your eye for the Gophers? Um, maybe some, well, that whole sophomore class, which I didn't have a chance to, to really look at, you know, in, in uh, detail last year. I only caught a couple of games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Haula, who, man, um, was, was fabulous. Um, the, the, some of the guys in the blue line, um, Marshall can shoot. He can um, move, too. Schneider, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. I am really impressed with the freshman and sophomore classes because I, um, I, I think you and I may have talked even during the summer, Craig, about uh, how Don had a good, pretty good, probably more than just pretty good. He had a very good recruitment. And uh, Kyle Rao was the only really. Um, We're starting to lose really, you a little bit there, Frank. Me? Yep. Can you just pick up right where you <laughs> left off there? <laughs> we kind of, you kind of. Lost your audio for a second. I wonder if it's because I'm pulling on this cord. <laughs> uh, all right, listen. But, I'm but you're listen. right. Touch but you're right. You know the. You know I. You talked how things needed to change, and I think they have changed. You know, I I also like how, you know, a lot of freshmen got on the board this weekend, to get the confidence going. I, uh, Marshall scored. Uh, Ambrose scored. Uh, warning. <laughs> Rao on his first shift of his first game scored. Uh, that's you know it's obviously subpar competition, but you know Lucia always seems to say that you know it 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 gets them going. You know he hates to have them go week after week without getting that first goal, and it could really boost their confidence. Yeah, and I'll, you know, kind of going the other way on that, the one guy that really stood out to me, and, you know, yeah, he had six points on the weekend with Jake Hansen, but um, I know, I think it was in Friday night's game that um, I was tweeting for GPL, and um, Hammy was going to, I think he said right after, he was t- typing the exact same thing in that, you know, it was 8 nothing or 9 nothing, whatever, with, you know, three, four minutes left in the third period, and Hansen was just busting his tail back on the, you know, in the zone end to break up a play, and, you know, obviously his shot that he had on Friday night where he scored his one goal was just a cannon, and and, you know, he's a guy who obviously came here with a lot of fanfare and, you know, was a pretty highly recruited kid. He did pretty well in the USHL. And, you know, it's fair to say he hasn't lived up to expectations. And, um, you know, to your guys' point, there are going to be a lot of freshmen and sophomores that this team's going to count on to do a lot of things. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of a lot of the big-time programs, and especially this one where they've had a tough time keeping kids around. But Hanson's a senior. He's an assistant captain. And he's the kind of guy that can maybe put this team over the edge where, you know, it's not just, you know, seniors on the third and fourth line that are relied to, you know, check and, you know, do the little things. If you could have somebody like him be a big time wing and that can score maybe 20 goals this year and provide, you know, physical play at both ends of the rink, um, I think that could be a huge thing for this team. So hopefully, um, you know, he can kind of keep it going here into this weekend and beyond. I thought Hanson was all over the place, you know, defensive zone, offensive zone. He, he, I think he showed a ton of speed. I don't remember him having so much speed. Yeah, he yeah, did. I'm, he hustled. Yeah. Go ahead, Ham. I just remember that one break that he had going down the right wing, which would have been uh, to the left of the Gopher bench, uh, where he ju- he it was afterburners, and he he was just his feet were just chugging away. I because uh, um, I I'd heard about you know Hanson coming on as a scorer last year. No one ever said a thing about speed. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's one thing you you mentioned in the broadcast. Who's the fastest guy on the team now? 
Well, post game Saturday, we asked Don, and he said, "Well, um, er, um, <laughs> well, I during the last five minutes here, uh, whatever internet connection I had was really jumping around, so I'm not sure all of what you guys talked about in terms of uh, people." Um, but I did mean to mention Nate Schmidt and Ben Marshall. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that I did and that they got through. Um, Helgeson, I thought, was very noticeable on Friday, not as much on Saturday, but I guess he's not the type of defenseman that is going to stand out and be noticeable. You just want him to push uh, bodies out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. How about Sam Warning? Holy snipe. Yeah. You know, I'm not surprised because I – Last winter, I was speaking to uh, Ben Marshall's dad, and he had just seen a game between Ben's team, Omaha, and uh, Sam's team in Cedar Rapids. And he told me that that uh, Sam played great. He said he was all over the ice. He was very, you know, kind of, I don't remember if he said dominant, but he was a very, very strong in that game. And, and uh, you know, he, he did have a pretty good offensive year there. So I can't say that I'm necessarily surprised that he started off that way. And so hopefully it's a sign of things to come. What I really liked about his first goal is the patience he showed. He came down right, right in the middle after a turnover and he held the puck almost like he was waiting for, you know, his other player to get into position. And then he just looked at the goalie real quick, ripped it up over his shoulder into a space about five inches by five inches there was not much space there for him to fit that goal. And, you know, as a freshman in his first game to show that kind of poise, I thought that was very encouraging. I, I thought all those young kids showed poise. I, I don't know that there was a guy out there who got rattled during the weekend. Uh, now, granted, they weren't given a lot of reason to be rattled by Sacred Heart because, you know, Sacred Heart didn't play an in-your-face kind of game. They, they never could have caught up to the Gophers to even try to play in-your-face, but... Um, that was a poised group, and, and I just I hope what they got from that was to learn how to play those kinds of things. In other words, get that memory muscle stuff going, and remember that this these are the skills that are going to take. Now they're going to have to do it five times as fast on Friday night yeah. against Duluth. But basically, you know that's that's what they've got going. Um, can I go back to Jake Hansen for a minute? Oh yeah, you, you guys watched you guys watched um, last year a bit more. You know, one of the things that this team has not had in the last couple of years, and, and that happens when you when you get a little thin on talent, is you don't have people within the group pushing the group. Um, and one of the concerns that I talked to Wally about on the air was you've got all of these people. Uh, you've got two great classes now, it's looking like, freshmen and sophomores. But you don't have the built-in know-how to win that seems to come every year in places like North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mm-hmm. just that whole atmosphere mentality that they know how to win. All right, so taking that down now to an each game kind of level, how much do you think having Bukestad and Howla on this team and the skills that they bring is making Jake Hansen a better player? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that you have – I mean, we always talked about in the past when the best gopher teams had a lot of depth – and they all kind of pushed each other, you know, hard for, you know, the best playing opportunities, whether it's on the power play, whatever it might be. And having that kind of talent where you know that you have to raise your game just to be on that, you know, the potential list of first line power play, whatever it might be. I just think you can't underestimate that on any team. So it is nice to have that and have those guys back. You know, Bukestad to have him back this year was great. And, 
hopefully these guys can lead, you know, the, the freshmen down the same path. Yeah, and I mean, speaking to the depth, I mean, how many was it two, three, four years ago where, I mean, this is nothing against Evan Kaufman or Ben Gordon, but I mean, those guys shouldn't be first line wings on teams that are going to be NCAA tournament bound. And, you know, obviously it showed it. The team wasn't there when those guys were featured. So um, it's nice to have, you know, you look kind of look ahead to this weekend and, you know, even weekends to come where, you know, the Gophers may not have a Hobie Baker finalist type player up front, but, you know, forwards one through 12, I mean, this, you know, Lucia said this immediately, I mean, this should be, maybe the deepest group that they have. And, you know, it's a good mix of some, you know, guys with size too, and where, you know, Bugstead and Ambrose and, um, you know, just, you know, some different guys who can get in there and mix it up. And you looked at this weekend on the small ice sheet and how valuable a Nick Bugstead can be, or, you know, Ambrose getting in front of the net or Budish in the corners. So, yeah, I mean, I think they have a nice mix up front and, you know, they'll obviously push each other for playing time and power play time and, you know, the things that players covet. I'd like yeah. to go back. I just, if I could, may interrupt. I want to go back to what Frank was talking about with some of the defensemen. I know we, we get on a weekend like we just touched on. I mean, when you're outscoring teams nine nothing in a game or whatever, you, the defense tends to be secondary because you don't really think about it in a nine goal game. Um, I was really happy to see how Nate Schmidt played, um, especially after that first period or so of the first game. I thought he looked very you know a lot more confident and uh, just looked like he was somebody that would be countered on this year um i also of course liked how ben marshall played he looked very slick out there very prepared for what he was going to be facing in college hockey granted it's sacred heart we'll probably be saying that the whole show but um I, to me the i think ryan's touched on this in the past it's going to be about defense for the gophers this year as far as i think we'll score but i think how is the defense going to play against, you know, some, you know, very good teams. And I think that seeing guys like Schmidt and uh, Marshall play well, I think that's, you know, a good sign and hopefully something that they'll be able to continue to improve on this year. Well, one thing, one thing we hadn't seen in the last few years are, you know, obviously the defensemen contributing on the offense, you know, that pass out of the zone, just keeping the, the play going. And, and another thing we hadn't seen is a defenseman, you know, jumping up into the play at the appropriate time. And on, you know, on Marshall's goal, it was a it was a play where he cut towards the net. He started moving aggressively towards the net, got the pass, put it in the back of the net, and that's just something we haven't seen in a couple of years. Someone being aggressive, but yet he's quick enough to get back into the play when his part on the offense is done. Yeah, and I think a lot of that too is just playing with confidence. And obviously, you know, he had a very good year, especially, you know, you look playing as a you know, high school senior in the USHL playing defense. And I think he was, you know, a first team all star. And so to have that confidence coming in here. And, you know, again, that's kind of one of the benefits of playing a Sacred Heart early on is, yeah, you know, you don't get, you know, like Duluth playing Notre Dame last weekend. But at the same time, you can build some confidence. And, you know, going back to Nate Schmidt, and the one play that really stood out to me was on Friday night when he got the puck around the red line and just showed great patience and not just getting rid of it right away kind of bought a little bit of time, did a little spin, and he got it over to Bugstead, and that's where he, you know, drove the net and flipped the backhand right over the goalie's glove. So, um, you know, seeing those guys, you know, with offensive defensemen, I mean, so much of it is confidence. I mean, you think back to guys like Vanelli and Goligoski and how many times they would just, you know, drag that puck right along the blue line while on the power play and, you know, having somebody there and just waiting that extra half second and getting shots through. And, um, you know, it's tough to be confident as a defenseman when you don't have anything to go off of and you're turning the puck over and things like that. So to give these young 
young guys a chance last weekend to show that. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be one of the big issues this weekend is going on the small ice sheet against a, you know, pretty hard forechecking team in Duluth. But, um, you know, they do have the confidence, I think, from this past weekend to do well up there. Yeah, they're the, uh, the the size of the rink plus the skill of the competition. Uh, it's going to be like a, a five times whammy in and cutting down their time and space. So that's um, and I've often heard that the toughest adjustment is not going from a small rink to a big rink, but the other way from a team that's used to having a lot of time and running around with a lot of space to suddenly go to a small rink. That's where the timing suddenly becomes critical. And in terms of that confidence, I mean, that you just take that through this lineup and you go from forwards to D to, to goaltender. And if, if those defensemen have confidence in their goaltender, and then they're going to be able to make some of those passes. If the forwards have confidence in the defensemen, they're going to be able to start breaking up the rink a little bit and, and get, in, get themselves into a spot where they can get open and get to a puck or get to an opening where that puck can get to them. Um, it, that it's just always one going to feed right off of another, and we haven't had that in a long, long time. Where Doug likes to talk about putting links of the chain together, uh, boy, there, there's. Um, I, I think we're really starting to see some of those links come together really nice now. Frank, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned about the going from a big rank to a small rank. In your experience watching the Gophers do this, I've always felt personally that maybe that the adjustment isn't that difficult in the sense that a lot of these guys grow up on these smaller rinks. I mean, that's all they play on basically. And they get to college, then they get the Olympic sized rink. So it's not like they can entirely forget how to play on smaller ranks. They might not be used to it. Maybe it takes them a period or so. I mean, is that kind of what you see when you watch the Gophers go to a, you know, an NHL regulation sized rink from the Olympic rink? What kind of adjustment do you tend, tend to see? I the uh, twofold. One is that I when the 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 weaker teams that the Gophers have had have not been able to adjust as well because they, they haven't been able to get the skills to complete the passes and those smaller rinks and the time was taken away. The other is the physical play. If they get into a smaller rink against a physical team, um, many years we just haven't been able to take it. We haven't been able to take the pounding. Um, I don't think that should be an issue. For the next couple of years, it better yeah. not be an issue. The next couple of years, but no, I, I do believe that teams that have come in, particularly those that haven't been in the WCHA, have come into Mariucci Arena. They have floundered for a long time on that big pond, trying to figure it out. It's, yes, that's been tough for them to do, but they also haven't come in with a lot of skilled players either. Some okay. of them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a look at the WCHA this weekend. We've got three series. Uh, let's start off with uh, Bucky Badger heading up to Michigan Tech. Cardinal, uh, I know you weren't too high on Wisconsin this year, but uh, usually Michigan Tech's a, a walk for them. Yeah, you know, Wisconsin, I mean, and, you know what, they split against Northern Michigan last weekend at home, and that's pretty respectable. I mean, Northern Michigan's usually a pretty, um, you know, they may not have the most talent, but, you know, Walt Kyle, I think he's still the head coach there, and they usually field a pretty respectable team And um, Wisconsin with how young they are, and, you know, they're even younger than the Gophers are, and obviously, and especially in the back end with, you know, freshman goalies. So to get a home split against that team, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, Michigan Tech, you know, obviously Mel Pearson takes over there, and, you know, it's a complete rebuilding job from the ground up um you know they swept american international last weekend so maybe the one team that's the one team that's uh, worse than sacred heart maybe but um you know i mean it could be a little bit dicey going in there you know they're going to be pretty fired up for their first you know home conference series with a new coach so 
I mean, a split wouldn't shock me. I mean, Wisconsin, even though they're young, they're infinitely more talented. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, Tuck hung in there and got a point or two out of them. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how their Wisconsin's goaltending situation holds up this year, particularly when you go on the road. Now, granted, Michigan Tech doesn't exactly have the most hostile of crowds. It's not like you have 10,000 fans raining down on you, but still having to go on the road and an unfriendly environment, freshman goalies that haven't been tested in WCHA. It'll be interesting to see how they adapt to that. Um, And Wisconsin, definitely their margin for error isn't going to be as great this year because they don't have, you know, spectacular offense either. So it'll be interesting. This might be, and you know, usually you think a tech just rolling over for, you know, good teams, but, uh, we don't know that Wisconsin's really on that level, so we'll have to see. I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a split between in a series. Right. And I think one of the I, I think one of the biggest attractions right now, one of the biggest hurdles, let's call it that, for Michigan Tech, is finding themselves under a new coach. Things have got to be different up there. Lord knows, all we have to do is look at the at the bank and see what a new coach can can mean for a football team. But um, so I, I think that's going to want to be one of their most significant hurdles this weekend. And it's just hard not to think that the Badgers won't get at least three points out of there, though. I mean, again, you got a you know a team that has some semblance of a winning tradition, history of winning. Uh, I know the goaltenders are young, all right, but so that's what I would really think. It would. It should be three out of four. I'm with you, Frank. I'm thinking Wisconsin's going to either sweep or take three. Uh, tech is, well, tech. That's <laughs> just the way it is. Well, then we have Bemidji heading out to the Schwartz show out in Colorado Springs. Uh, that could be interesting. Uh, obviously, Bemidji just came off a split at Miami, so I think they could give CC a hard time. Yeah, you know, CC, I mean, they haven't played, I mean, they played, ex, I think, two exhibition games, so they haven't you know, had the real thing yet, whereas, you know, Bemidji's been, you know, arguably as tough as his opponent as you can draw in week one going out to Miami, but I think the one concern maybe for Bemidji is that, you know, going out on the big ice sheet, um, you know, with the, you know, I don't want to make too much out of the elevation type thing, but maybe early in the year, conditioning-wise, um, you know, that might be a little bit tough on them, and, you know, they're going to be definitely the underdog, so... Um, you know, I don't know if Bemidji's got what it takes to contain what CC's going to bring up front with that top line, like you said, Jupe, with the Schwartz brothers. But, um, you know, Bemidji, it's just tough for them to play that, you know, defensive pack-it-in type game on the big ice sheet out there, whereas Miami has a small ice sheet. And, you know, it's a little bit easier to play that way, um, you know, when you're dealing with the small dimensions. Guys, help me out. What's Bemidji bringing back this year? And and where what was their final poll ranking before before the tournament? Do you remember last year? Oof, I have no idea on that they, one. They would have, wouldn't they have gotten? Weren't they a top twelve anyway? I don't think they quite were, but I know that you know. Obviously, I think they needed help to get in last year, didn't they? Because uh, you know, obviously they beat Duluth in the play-in. Wasn't that the play-in or one of the play-in games? I guess at the WCHA Final Five. But uh, I yeah, I just pulled it up. I mean, you remember the, how they just owned Omaha last year and they ended up sweeping <laughs> Omaha. Yeah, in the yeah. first round of the playoffs, and that's how they yeah. got to the final five. They beat Duluth in overtime in the you know playing game, quote unquote, and then uh, you know Denver took care of them pretty easily on uh, in the Friday night game to uh, end the season for them. But yeah, they finished fifteen, eighteen, and five. And I know for my uh, NHL cheering, I'm a big Philadelphia Flyers fan. And one kid that the Bemidji lost was Matt Reed. I think he was a senior last year, and he was 
um, you know, 24 year old senior, but I know he made the flyers, you know, right out of camp and he, I know Bob McKenzie picked him to win the rookie of the year in the NHL. So, um, that's wow. obviously one kid. Um, I think they still have, uh, I can't remember hunt maybe on the blue line. The, um, I know, I think I saw his name in some preseason stuff. So, um, they still have a big time defenseman, but I think they lost a fair amount up front, even besides, uh, Matt Reed. Uh, I would hate ever to have to bet against uh, either of the Saratory teams, you know, Air Force or Bemidji. Um, but CC should run the run the table on this one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I it's hard to, to – I mean, these early season series, it's really difficult because you don't have any kind of pattern from recent weeks to really pick up on. But um, I would say even with how Bemidji performed at Miami, I would probably have to give the nod to CC in both games. Yeah, I, I agree. I see CC taking four points this weekend. Um, close game Friday night. You know, they haven't really played any real games yet, but uh, I think Saturday night or whenever they're scheduled, uh, it uh, they'll take care of them pretty well. That leaves us with our Gophers heading up to Amsoil Arena in Duluth. Hammy, what do you got? Uh, you know, when looking at this uh, – after the Sacred Heart series, you can't really get a bead on what exactly we have yet. I mean, I, we've talked about how it's going to be a heck of a lot different playing on a smaller rank against a much more talented team in Duluth. And so it's very difficult. I, I really, it's one of those things where I think if they limit the damage of that top line with Connolly and Brown and, you know, maybe stay out of the box a bit and uh, limit their power play opportunities, I think um, certainly there's a good chance to win. You know, both games, I, I'm not going to certainly predict that we're going to sweep on the road this early in the season with a young team, um, especially against the defending champs. Um, but I do think that we do have, I think, a little better depth up front than Duluth does. I think that they have a little more high end, of course, in, on that top line. Um, but depth-wise, I like what we have. Um, I think that our size, you know, we talked about guys like Ambrose and Bukestad and Budish, I think, those guys, you know, in the forecheck can be, do a lot of damage, and Alton Helgeson throwing their weight around in our own zone. I, I just, I like what we have, and you know, we didn't talk about him earlier, but Kent Patterson, you know, he played. I mean, two shutouts. Granted, he wasn't tested a great deal, but he did make some very key saves in this last series uh, at important times when it was still a little bit more in doubt. And uh, you can't underestimate a good goalie on the road. So um, I, I'll, I'll go with the split for the Gophers. Um, it wouldn't surprise me either way. Anything that happens, in, you know, on the road in Duluth, you never know. But uh, I'll go with the split. I'm going to name Kent Patterson the Gophers' star of the weekend going in. He has to be. I think he has to be because um, they're probably going to lose one game, and a lot of it is going to be on um, youngster mistakes, I think. I, I think their their inexperience is going to probably get bent uh, to the point of breaking at least for uh, one game, I think, this weekend. Uh, there's going to be a lot of energy. I mean, it's going to be like a second opening night for them. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, they raised the banner last week. Now they're going to have the Gophers coming in there. You think you think the intensity is going to be down because they raised the banner last week? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Yeah, so, I mean, I think everything is going to come at the Gophers this weekend. And, they play, and hey, Duluth played a really good team, uh, mm-hmm. which may be a better tune-up for this coming weekend than what the Gophers went through in their – and they're three games, uh, essentially a three-game exhibition. And, again, we say that with all due respect to Sacred Heart. But 
you know, a team that only had, what, five, six wins last year in the Atlantic Conference, or Atlantic Hockey, you know, is not, um, I think, Cardinal, as you said, is, you know, it's not as good as the last place team in the WCHA. Anyway, a lot of stuff is going to come at the Gophers, and we're going to find out how much this team is going to need Kent Patterson. Uh, we'll learn a lot about that this weekend. Yeah, and just to you know, touch on a couple of things. I mean, I think you know, one thing last year, Duluth had one of the best power plays in the WCHA, and the Gophers' penalty kill was atrocious. And you know, special teams are the one thing I don't think you can really take a lot out of last weekend for the Gophers, just because you know they put a lot of different units out there. It's not like it was you know Unit A and Unit B going out each night. I mean, they mixed and matched a lot, but um, you know, that's one area where you know the penalty kill is going to have to be good. I mean, you know. Duluth's going to come out and, you know, I'm assuming, and Frank touched on this earlier, where they're going to challenge the gopher defense. And I'm sure they're going to dump the puck in and send a couple four checkers and try to create turnovers. And I'm sure that's going to happen at times, just, you know, with, you know, five underclassmen, you know, in the lineup for the gophers on the back end. So, you know, hopefully avoiding the penalties, avoiding the turnovers. You know, I think Friday night, the first period is key. If the gophers can, you know, get to the locker room, you know, scoreless or tied, I mean, I think that would be, um, you know, a nice advantage for them, you know, the rest of the series. And um, like Hammy touched on too, where the gophers, you know, I'm assuming that you know guys like Nick Larson and Sketty are going to be in there on, at least on Friday night, um, just you know, and have a little bit more experience as opposed to you know an Isaacson or a Boyd, where you know they looked okay last weekend, but um, you know conference game on the road, tough environment. You think you'd go with some older guys. Um, but just, you know, one, lines one through four, I think the Gophers should be able to, you know, maybe wear down Duluth a little bit. I mean, you look, I've seen, you know, Cody Danberg, who was you know, expected to be an okay player for them. He's out with an injury and, um, you know, obviously JT Brown and Jack Connolly, but then, and, you know, Alexic. But after that, Duluth doesn't have the depth that they did last year, at least as of yet. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, guys with potential there. But um, I think the Gophers, you know, especially, I really like the Gophers' third line if they keep Condon and Matson together with Ambrose because, you know, Matson and Condon, I don't think either one of them is going to be a big-time scorer, but just with their speed and aggressiveness. And if you can get somebody like Ambrose, maybe dig some pucks out for him and go to the net. So I think the Gophers' depth up front should be good. It's just, you know, like Frank said, it's going to come down to the blue line and, you know, whether or not, you know, some of these young guys can play well. So I'm a little bit more bullish on it than maybe Hammy is. I think the Gophers can go up there and get three points, maybe even sweep. But again, it's, I think, early on Friday is going to be key. They just can't be down, you know, 2 nothing, 3 nothing, something like that early. Just weather the storm. I don't think you have to worry about Patterson and, um, you know, hopefully they can use that depth up front to wear out the dogs. Well, Cardinal's taking his risks with uh, predicting uh-huh. a sweep. He's going to be up in the rank up there, you know, drunk hockey guy and all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, go. that's that's the thing. I'll only be up there on Friday, so no matter what, because i got to uh, head out for work on Saturday, so I won't oh, be there at the end result. So I won't have to take the full brunt of it if I'm totally wrong and we get swept or something like that. So, Well, I'm going full Rube mode here. I'm going go for sweep. Why not? Heck, they win a close one Friday night. Uh, Saturday night, Bukestead gets the hat trick, and Fire Helmet's helmet ends up on the ice at the new <laughs> rink. I'm just going with it. Why not? Heck, if I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm just the crazy guy running this thing. Wow, that's scary that I'm the conservative one of this group. <laughs> yeah, that, yep. hey, that how is good is right. How good is JT Brown? I haven't seen him play other than the championship game, and I had my eye stuck behind a camera. Uh, actually, both of those games in the Frozen Four. How good is Brown? Uh, he's really good. I mean, he was kind of just so-so maybe towards the middle of last year, and when the Gophers played Duluth in December, I mean, I don't think he stood out a ton, but, 
I mean, towards the end of the year and in the Frozen Four, I mean, he was just a beast. I mean, he's got size, the speed. Um, I know Hammy can speak to it a little bit probably better in terms of him almost uh, leaving this summer with because he's undrafted. So I know he definitely had some offers. But um, he's a guy who, if he plays with Jack Connolly all year, is going to be uh, signing on the dotted line uh, shortly after the Bulldog season ends because he's a pretty big-time talent. The, le- the league says he's just 5'10". He's got to be bigger than that, doesn't he? He's thick. Uh, his dad's a former football player, yeah. so yeah, yeah, he's a pretty thick kid. Got the jeans, yeah. He's a bull. Yeah, well, like Cardinal said, I, I I had heard this past summer that he had some opportunities to sign a free agent deal, and there were some people that I had talked to that were pretty convinced that he was actually going to go. So it was, you know, very you know fortunate for Duluth to get him back this year. But yeah, I'd be very surprised if he's not. You know, signed to a contract uh, by sometime next spring. Any other thoughts on the weekend? Uh, one thing, real quick. I know we only touched on uh, WCHA series, but just a couple big uh, non-conference ones, just to keep an eye on for people out there. Denver heads out east to play uh, Boston College and BU, so that'll uh, you know pairwise and the whole bit down the line. And then uh, North Dakota hosts Maine, who last year at this time I know Maine swept them out there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, North Dakota bounces back after uh, you know Boston College took it to them pretty good last Saturday. We'll see uh, how the young Sioux team kind of uh, rebounds against another pretty stiff test uh, this weekend up in Grand Forks. And to uh, you know, because I have to get my obligatory Sioux pot shot in. You saw how they got. Uh, Can you smoked. do it on a time sometime when I'm not on the air with you? <laughs> well, you could just be silent if you'd like. You don't have to respond to anything. Uh, anyways, you know they uh, got smoked pretty good by BC on uh, Saturday, and it was kind of interesting to me to read their message board about how they're all complaining about how they don't match up well against BC and so on and so forth. And I found it ironic because I think it was a week or two ago. Some of their fans were talking trash about how the Gophers are recruiting all these small forwards, blah, blah, blah. And and, uh, I'm thinking to myself at that time, well, isn't that exactly what you guys have problems with with Boston College? And once again, Boston College proves that that formula works very well against a Hackstall team. So maybe these guys need to think about, you know, why teams do these things. If it's successful, Boston College is probably the most successful college team in the last, you know, 10 years. If you go on, you know, national championships and whatever, and so yeah, maybe those two fans got to do their homework. Well, one thing about Boston College though is they have been able to keep their players quite a bit better than Minnesota. Minnesota, well, Minnesota has recruited those small guys, but they haven't had that that time to mature like a lot of those Boston College small guys have done. Well, most of those Boston College small guys that we're talking are five eight. Five nine, you know, few. I mean, which is kind of what we've recruited a little bit more of recently. And and uh, and I, you know, I think I've heard Lucia talking on the radio about you know how they've kind of had to adjust and maybe look at those guys that have recruiting guys that are more going to be top college players and not you know necessarily going to be the ideal NHL prototype you know first second round draft pick type of guy. So I think that that's something that they've. Uh, actually probably have learned some lessons maybe even from their opponent this weekend Duluth I mean they made a they got a championship basically because of uh you know some very skilled smaller forwards so we'll see how it goes but I just had to throw that in because I thought it was kind of ironic 
<laughs> okay, now I don't. That's that wasn't too bad. I mean, that was. I, I thought you were really going to be launching grenades. No, 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 no. Okay, no, I wasn't. Although I'm sorry, you inhaled, so they're probably mad. <laughs> but that won't be the first time, and it definitely won't be the last. Yeah, there's a no, lot. I agree of- with you. I agree with you guys. The small guys that just uh, that I, I said that a long time ago about. Um, I think Brian, when Brian Gianta was playing for Boston College, he was starting to bring in the little shrimps, um, and and that and and then after the the lockout, when the NHL started tapping more and more NHL players, it just became more and more apparent that the big guys are going to go in a hurry, and you better build a good good college hockey team, and I think yeah. that he did that. Yeah, and I think I mean Lucia, I think has been more candid from what I've heard this off season about how they had. You know, not necessarily done the best job of planning um, for, you know, losses to the pros. And I think that they've seen maybe the light a bit here in the last year or so. And their recruiting targets, they do, you know, seem to be looking at some guys that are more of those quick water bug types that, you know, are going to stick around three or four years and hopefully do some damage offensively. Um, So hopefully, you know, that's going to pay dividends like it has for, you know, Boston College in recent years. Right, and that doesn't even, mean you don't. It doesn't mean you don't have to take uh, a Bugstead or a Howler or, or even or even a Hanson. You're, you're still going to want to take those guys, but just be prepared for what happens the 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 void that they leave if and when they do go early. That you've got somebody with skill to replace them, even if it's somebody who's smaller. Yeah, and Lucia has touched on this too, but in, you know, in his defense, I mean, it's such a tough cycle to break out of because, I mean, you look at, you know, Nick Letty where, you know, when Lucia recruited him, I mean, I remember when he committed, like, it wasn't like people were doing cartwheels. I mean, he was a solid player at Eden Prairie, but nobody thought he would turn into a first round NHL draft choice and be gone after a year. But it's such a tough cycle to break out of because, <clears throat> You know, he ends up leaving early and then they have to bring in, you know, like Justin Hall, who is supposed to play in the USHL. He has to come in a year early and, you know, he was okay last year. But I think we could probably all agree that if he would have played in the USHL last year and come in here as a 19, 20 year old freshman with a full season under his belt, he would have been a lot better off, Um, you know, but he's still going to be an okay player. But it's just that cycle where you're going to, you know, you can't always just fill the roster with, you know, Jake Parento type guys where they're 21 year old freshmen. I mean, you got to bring in some of your high school kids early and it's just a real tough thing to get out of. So hopefully they can, uh, you know, they didn't really have anything big this off season. You know, Ness was pretty much expected and, you know, Max Gardner, again, he's another victim of a guy who probably came in here a year too early, but um, hopefully they can, you know, everything will be quiet during the season. And then in the off season, no, nothing too unexpected and they can uh, kind of get the recruiting cycle back on, uh, on key. Okay. Now we're going to move to a little bit of feedback uh, that uh, people listening can send us. Remember, you can always send us questions and feedback to podcast at gopherpucklive.com. Just a few this week. Um, we have John Moody. He asks, please take a moment to give, give us a background on each of us. You know, he seems to think we have fam- famous forum handles, but who are we? Well, I... I, I <laughs> Yeah, who are you guys anyway? <laughs> Cardinal, we'll start with you. <laughs> oh boy, I know. Uh, yeah, feel free to not answer, but you know, hey, I read his I read his question on the air. Uh, so this is kind of like why should I be talking about the Gophers kind of question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this like playing like background it. or what? Or is this like just personal background? Or I, I think he kind of wants to know who we are. 
Uh, okay, so I'll go first, and you guys can uh, go right go ahead. I mean, feel free to skip it if you don't want to talk about it. But. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, we we don't dodge questions. Here. We <laughs> take the tough topics. Uh, no, I mean, just grew up in the Twin Cities and was a lifelong Gopher fan. And you know, with my parents were big fans, and every Friday and Saturday growing up, it was you know get around the TV and watch Frank and Doug and, you know, have a blast and watch the Gophs and, um, you know, ended up going to school at River Falls for uh, financial reasons just to save a little dough, but, you know, still went to um, pretty much all the home games and went to, you know, pretty much every road game I could and have been to all the WCHA rinks, went to Anchorage, been out to Denver, CC, you name it, and I don't know, just uh, had a writing background kind of through school and got uh, hooked in with Craig and GPL and been doing the writing thing for a few years now and seems to be going okay and, just a big hockey fan and love the Gophers pretty much. The mysterious Hammy. You know, this is the question I had. I, whenever I go on interviews, I dread this kind of question. It's like, <laughs> tell me about yourself. Who are you? <laughs> That's like, even with people that, you know, I'm just meeting for the first time. I have a terrible time with this question. Uh, make it up. Just make something up. Yeah. No, I grew you know, I'm like Cardinal. I kind of grew up in the area and uh, uh, I, I remember going to Gopher games with my father at the old Mariucci, um, you know, and that's in the seventies. I don't, don't ask me specific memories because I just remember the benches and the uh, crappy views in some respects. But uh, I do remember the energy of the crowd. And of course, you know, you grow up with it on television and uh, I was, uh, you know, hockey player all the way, you know, from your squirts all the way on up. And uh, so I just loved the game. I was, in different sports, but, uh, and baseball, quite frankly, was my best sport, but, uh, um, just grew to love the game. And then I went to college at the U as an undergrad and got my, uh, bachelor's degree in, uh, psychology, uh, believe it or not. And then, uh, you know, I just, uh, it was funny. We had pride on ice for many years and, uh, got to be heavily involved in posting on that board. And ironically enough, that's how, uh, Coach Gensel got to know me. Uh, he he must have read the message boards back then, and uh, and he I remember uh, he recognized my name, and I, of course you know I've talked to him over the years and stuff. So that's kind of funny how that developed. But um, and then of course GPL started up after POI kind of uh, went the way of the dodo, and um, ever since then I just uh, just wanted to you know it was really about contributing to the sites because I didn't feel that maybe the uh, Local media, and especially at least in the newspaper version of it, I didn't feel like necessarily it covered all the angles, especially with recruiting. So I thought that maybe that was something that I could could help contribute. So that's kind of where I worked my way into things. Well, as for me, I uh, I would say I started following Gopher hockey in the late '80s. I uh, I was a Jefferson kid. And you know, when the first good player that I saw at Jefferson, Tom Peterson, went to the university. That's when I started to follow the, the team, you know, the late 80s, the late Stauber years. And then I really got big behind it when a bunch of Jefferson kids went to went to the U. Uh, you know, you had Crowley, you had Anderson, you had Parrish. Well, not Parrish. Jeez, he went to St. Cloud. Uh, but, you know, a lot of those kind of players. Oh, the treble. Uh, heck, even little Joey Pankratz who played like three games for the wow. U. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but a lot of those guys who won their titles together – they went up and started playing for the U, and obviously MSC, watching it every weekend with Frank and Doug. And then, you know, I was on the Pride on Ice website. Then, during the 2003 Frozen Four, their site just crashed, went down. No one could access it. 
Um, Which site was that? uh, Prideonice.com. Matt and Kyle Barron ran that site. Oh, I thought that was yours, too. No, 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 no. Oh. The problem was is that both of them, I think, were in Buffalo. Weren't they, Cardinal? Uh, I believe they were both in they were both in Buffalo. Kyle was for sure. I can't remember Matt, but I know Kyle was. And they had no site. So I just put up a temporary little site during the Frozen Four and let a few fans know, you know, here you can here's a place you can go and at least have a message board for now. And obviously that grew and grew and I did video highlights and got busted doing video highlights as we all know and <laughs> Of course, now you can see everything on YouTube, and I guess I was just five years too early. And that's about it. I just kind of keep chugging along. I, I don't have a huge hockey knowledge. I didn't play hockey until I was an adult, but I am kind of come at this uh, as a view of more from the fan than uh, a lot of hockey knowledge. Craig, where'd you go to college? Mankato State University. Ooh, he's a Mav. I'm a Maverick. Ooh. Were you a Maverick? Was it a Maverick back then? or um, When oh, did the change they were the Mavericks when I was there. I'm not that old. But, uh, <laughs> Just they were, asking they, when it changed. Oh, <laughs> I um, I'm not sure when they – they used to be the Indians back in the 70s. But, yeah. But they were always Mavericks when I was there. Uh, but I was there when they were still a D2 team, and that's when the Gophers had those Jefferson players. So I was always a pure Gopher fan. Some would argue they're still a D2 team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> they've had a, they've had uh, they've had a couple good teams, but that's about it. But that's my story, Frank. Do you have a story? Well, I got here in '82, um, and in '81 I went on the witness protection program, and so that's all you're going to know about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're just uh, we're just having fun with you. Yeah, no. Before that, it was out of school. It was uh, Iowa, Ooh. Michigan. Wisconsin, Ohio, and then here. Wow. Most of that was minor league hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Just a puck chaser. That's all. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. Do you want more detail? No, no, that's what? fine. I think a lot of people actually know your story because you're famous and we're not. So, <laughs> well, um, well, Cardinal Chris County. Tom Reed says, you used to be somebody, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's such a good friend. Okay, I've got another question. Uh, we've got Chris, and actually it looks like it's, it's Tricks Are For Kids on Go For Puck Live. My suggestion for the podcast would be to talk about new recruits and what type of players you expect them to be. I listened to the first podcast, and I don't think this was covered. Not sure if there's been one since. I sort of follow the recruiting of this team, and I know what type of players Rao and Ambrose are projected to be, but a lot of people don't. And I really have no idea what to expect out of guys like Warning, Boyd, Isaacson, or Thompson. So I guess he just kind of wants to know about some of these guys we haven't heard much from. You know, like your Boyd, Isaacson, Thompson. What do you guys think? Hammy, I, you you have a vast knowledge of a lot of these guys. Well, I mean, I think the funny thing is, is that they're going to be playing different roles in college than what they played before. So it's kind of hard to necessarily – predict i mean we've talked about it before a lot of these guys come into college having been in some respects the big man on their team they come to the u and all of a sudden it's where am i in the pecking order i mean a guy like boyd i remember seeing him back at hopkins you know a few years back and he was one of the best players playing all the power play and you know now he comes to the u and he's going to be you know 
penalty kill, you know, fourth line type of guy. And, you know, he might eventually grow into things like that as, you know, he matures. But it's hard to really say what they're going to see, and you know, as freshmen. I mean, you have a guy – I mean, everybody knows what Rao's capable of, um, and he's going to be getting – apparently if you know top line minutes so that's you know i would imagine he's going to be pretty productive and uh you know ambrose is a physical kid you know he he threw his fists around in the ushl of course he's not going to be doing that much you know on the college level um at least not without getting suspended but um but he's going to give you a you know physical presence and uh we saw this last weekend you know he's going to park his button uh you know that scoring slot area and make it difficult on the opposing team to move him and score some ugly goals and um so i mean it, it's hard to say what some of these guys are going to do i mean cardinal i don't know if you want to add to some of that yeah i mean i think you know just the overall picture is that you know some of these guys and you know this team may be a little bit different in that you know you see like Rao and warning being on the you know top two lines and i think you know ideally in a perfect world you know those guys would kind of work their way in but just you know, given A, the current state of the program and not having a lot of big-time scorers coming back, um, but B, just the nature of college hockey with, you know, freshmen get put in big-time spots now where maybe, you know, five, six, seven years ago that wasn't always the case. But um, just hopefully that guys, you know, can kind of bide their time and have the patience and, you know, like use a kid like Boyd and like Hammy said where, um, you know, you kind of forget about him a little bit because he went out to the national program for a few years and, you know, so he wasn't, you know, real local like a kid like Rao where he was, you know, Indian Prairie and playing at the XL center and you know every spring and you just hope that you know maybe he's a fourth line guy this year that plays 20 to 25 games but then you know he uses the summer bulks up and you know maybe a guy like Bugstead leaves and you know Budish leaves or something like that and you know next year he can come in and really be that contributing force so just hoping that you know some of the guys that have been big time players in the past can just kind of you know maybe you don't get that right away but stay with it have the patience put the time in in the weight room and you know look at this is a you know, three to four year window where you're going to be a big time player down the road, not necessarily, hey, I didn't play that much the last three months, you know, and then, you know, the wheels start to go in motion of, hey, can I go somewhere else? And it's just, you know, you don't want to think that way, but you just have seen it too much all over college hockey and in particular with this program the last, you know, five years or so. So I guess, you know, kind of big picture wise, that would be my two cents on it. Well, I think, what about you, Frank? Do you have any thoughts on some of the new guys? Uh, Some of the lesser known guys, maybe? Well, I'm impressed with, as a group, I'm impressed with how, how savvy they seem to be about the game. Um, and I'm going to go back to say again, they, the, team they, the teams they have played so far, the exhibition and then the, the two with Sacred Heart, they had a lot of time to do things that they maybe didn't even have that much time in junior hockey. I bet it was tighter and more competitive um, for, for the level that they were at before they came in. So, But I, they, they seem to... Um, they seem to have the smarts. They seem to have the skill. Uh, a couple of them have the size. Um, and so I think that as a group, they're going to be pretty darn good. Um, you know, we already talked about what a surprise Sam Warning was, and I think that's going to be great. Uh, Ambrose, I, I just want to see more and more of. And I think they also have um, guys in Marshall. I don't Thompson for sure, and I don't remember how much shooting uh, Nate Schmidt did on Saturday, but those three guys seem to be able to shoot the puck from the blue line, and it's been a while since we've had, well, okay, Kate Fairchild came in and he shot a lot from the blue line, but then it tapered off after that, but if these guys can continue to shoot from the blue line, they're going to generate a lot of offense from there, and so, so far what we've seen, and I think, Jupe, you mentioned it earlier, is we 
we're talking 15 goals on a weekend, and uh, we haven't had much opportunity to dis- to dissect how well they're going to play defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody asked in the question on the air on the radio, you know, are, 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 is their foot speed good enough? Are they going to be able to skate in the WCHA? I, I think so, but I don't know. You guys have a better handle on that? I thought, well, the I think that they're, they're te- well, the decor, you know, that's the one thing I was a little bit concerned about at times that um, I, with Hull and uh, Helgeson, sometimes they're a little bit slow, I think, to react. Um, I get a little bit concerned about that, especially if they're going to be playing, you know, at least they're going to be one of your top two pairings. So I get concerned about that. Um, hopefully it's, unfounded on my part but that's a concern for me um alt i think i'm really impressed with marshall i think people don't underestimate the impact he's gonna make um he made that one little spin move last weekend that was just amazing like in the corner it didn't turn out to be a goal but i just remember a little quick spin move and i was like wow and uh you know in a series like this next one where we're gonna get pressured a lot you can't underestimate a kid that can really skate with the puck you know and transition it out of your uh, defensive zone offense so i think that he'll be very I, I really hope and i predict that he's going to be an all rookie on the wcha this year i agree i agree yeah. mm-hmm. well we have more questions but since we've already gone for over an hour it's probably a good time to <laughs> to shut this thing down we will be talking about uh future recruits maybe next week or the week after uh you know and uh well, Frank, thank you for coming on. Hey, glad to do it. Thanks, thanks for wasting time? an hour. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be with you guys every week because you're going to want to vary it a little bit. But, uh, hey, I'll come back time to time if you if you want me to, right, if you'll yeah. have me. I, sure. Maybe after Christmas, after some of the season has happened and you've gotten a few more games under your belt. That'd be cool. Yeah, then I'd have a little more. And, and then also make sure I survive the trip back from Grand Forks. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks. I might need that. <laughs> Remember, you can always follow Frank on Twitter at MazPuck. You know, send him you know, those questions during the game, pregame, whenever you need to. And if you have some photography needs, you can always go to www.mazacophotography.com and uh, maybe he can help you out there as well. Right, Frank? Anything legal. Anything legal. <laughs> Don't forget, you can also follow my fellow co-hosts on Twitter, Hammy is at Hammy Hockey. And Cardinal, you can uh, see him at Ryan Cardinal on Twitter. Ryan also has his weekly appearance on the Paul Allen Show on KFAN, so make sure you check it out. Well, that about does it for this week's podcast. We plan to be back next week. We'll wrap up the Duluth series, preview Vermont, and like I said, hopefully get into that recruiting talk. Remember, if you have any questions or any feedback, you can send it to... uh, podcast at gopherpucklive.com. Until then, thanks for joining us.